Like, let's be better examples in our community. Let's strive to look more like Jesus every day. Let's feed the sheep no matter what they are wearing or driving, no matter how rude they are, no matter how how hurt we are, no matter how many times we've been wrong. Let's feed sheep. That's what Jesus asked us to do. Jesus recognized the need for community in every part of it, in every part of life. Even as Jesus was going to the garden to pray, he took disciples with him right up to the point of entering communion with his Father. We weren't designed to do life alone. We're made for community. We've been going through the book of James and kind of unpacking some awesome things that he spoke about in his uh, letters to the early church, specifically to the Jews who have begun to follow Jesus or what we would call today Messianic Jews. Um, when we first started unpacking, our pastor spoke about suffering and how there were benefits to it. And they spoke about faithfulness, followed by Zach. Uh, Zach speaking about wisdom and how God gives us wisdom to help us navigate our path. And last week, Wayne spoke about foolishness and how the church had become hearers of the word and not doers at all. Now we come to this topic, and James spoke about this very near and dear to my heart. Again, as pastor kind of wrote out the list and said, hey, you know, what do you have? Like, what do you feel like you know, God's called you to speak on? Uh, we come to community. Um, community is something that I, I find very important in my life, um, not only simply because, well, uh, we need community, but because I'm a transplant to this wonderful county of Camden. Uh, I'm from Augusta, Georgia, and I got brought down here by the Navy, and this place was so awesome that I decided to stay. So community is obviously something that's very important to me. Um, in order to understand what James is speaking about in community, I feel like we first have to understand what community is. Oxford would define community as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes and interests and goals. We're going to focus on two main functions of, of those definitions for the topic that I, that I chose. Um, we're going to focus on a group of people with common characteristics and a feeling of fellowship with others. I've kind of titled this, this topic um, Community, Communion, completion. Yeah, Cole's got it, man. Cole, man, you, you my dude. Cole just came back for the, from, uh, from being gone for the summer, so uh, Cole is one of our tech team members. Shameless plug, we need more tech team members, just like Cole. Um, come on, come on, Cole. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is communion. Uh, the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or a spiritual level. We see this from the very beginning of Scripture. If we look in Genesis, Genesis 2, 19, Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. In the very beginning, in the very beginning of the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he created all the rest of the stuff, and then he created us. And then he walked with us. He spent the very first instances of creation with us. God and Adam were in the garden together. God was allowing Adam to take a special place in creation of the world. He allowed Adam to give a name to creatures that had just been created. That's something you do with the most 
most intimate people in your life. When me and my wife went and got a dog, so what are we going to name it? And we start throwing out all these names. I'll go ahead and tell you. I said I want to name it Brutus. And she was like, okay, cool. We'll name it Brutus. Little did she know, Brutus is the mascot for the Buckeyes. And I go for the Buckeyes, and she goes for the Gators. We split home. That's how things work around here. And she had no clue. And I was like, surely, if, I, if we name this dog Brutus, come football season, when she realizes that Brutus is a Buckeye, she's going to be furious. So um, we, we decided against it. We said, all right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell her now. Like, hey, by the way, Brutus is a Buckeye name. And so we have a dog named Ruger. Um, but when we, when we sat down to think about a name, I didn't, call, I didn't call Zach. I didn't call Morgan. I didn't call Judd. I said, hey, babe, what do you want to name it? Like, let's, let's talk about this. Why? Because giving something a name, like you're imparting some measure of identity into this, into this, right? When you have a child, Morgan, I'm sure that when you, when you decided you were having a baby, you didn't, you, I know you didn't call me. I'm almost positive Sammy wasn't called. I'm sure you sat down with Josh and said, hey, we got this thing. We're going to have, we're going to have to give it a name. Like, I mean, that's what you do, right? It's the most intimate people in your life that you decide that you're going to name something with. God chose Adam for that. Like there were other options. God had angels upon angels that he could have chosen. Hey, you're my naming angel now. What are we going to name on this stuff? No, he chose Adam. He chose to give us communion. It was necessary. We needed it. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily necessary for God, but it was necessary for us to have that communion with God. So God said, Adam, I'm going to give you an opportunity to take a major part in the creation of all of humanity. I'm going to give you the opportunity to name things. Communion is important. We had communion with God before the fall. Before the fall of man, we had physical communion with God. Not because we had to have it, though, but because God wanted it. And even after the fall, even after we decided that, well, God didn't know what he was doing or talking about. I can go do whatever I want. God still gave us communion because he knew that it was that necessary. Right. Our communion looked different. That's very true, right? Even after the fall, we had communion. It looked different. After the fall, our communion with God changed. In the years of the fall of, uh, after the fall of man and before the crucifixion, our relationship was, it was, it was materialistic, if you will, right? We had the, the covenant, when the Ark of the Covenant. And as much as like, we were present with God, we experienced disconnection very much. In the years following the fall, we still had communion. Even, even after God, even after we told God, hey, we got it on our own. We had communion. It was that necessary. Following the covenant relationship we had with God, we experienced Jesus. We experienced another covenant. We had communion through the, the disciples had physical communion with God once again, just God in man form. All throughout history, if we look, we see the, ne- the necessity for communion, right? We had the law. During, during this in-between, we had the law, right? The law was our relationship with God. This is how we, this is how we commune with God. We, it was through our obedience and our sacrifice that we said, okay, like this is, 
This was our relationship. But communion was a very necessary, again, a very necessary thing, a very necessary thing. I'm sorry, I lost my place. Um, okay, God spoke to us through the prophets and the law. I couldn't imagine a time where I didn't have the ability to just cry out and pray to God and experience him in my worship. Right? Like this, the, the presence of God was, was in the temple. So I, I, I would, I imagine that in that, I imagine that in it, that form of communion, post God being on earth and pre Jesus getting here, that our worship was very different. I mean, we even see this in the Psalms as much like we see that like there, there's a, there was a disconnect, which was the whole purpose for Jesus, right? Matthew 26, 26 through 29, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Then he took a cup and he gave, uh, gave thanks for it. And he said to them, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words. I will not drink wine again until I drink the day I drink it with you new in my father's kingdom. He took his last meal. Jesus took his last meal he would ever have on earth and shared it in a way that we would have communion with him forever and said that he, he wouldn't do it again until he could do it with his disciples. Now, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we have communion with God. We, Jesus gave us communion. We have fellowship with God, the Father, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we've been given that sacred act forever that binds us with Jesus, a gift by the king himself. Church is something to be excited about. Communion is something to be excited about. It's something that we do periodically here at St. Mary's Church. It's something that in other places you'll see them do every week. Communion is, is, is this opportunity to connect ourselves with Jesus, with God, through this sacred act, right? All throughout history, we've, God knew we needed communion with him. It's changed several times, but man, he knew we needed it. But if we look back to Genesis 2.18, we see a whole nother level. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. Even in the garden, when we were in direct fellowship with God, direct communion with God, God recognized that we would be better if we had companionship, if we had community. Community is an interesting thing. When I moved to Canada in 2011, I knew that there, I knew nothing about our small town. I had a baby on the way. Still trying, I'm, for the record, still trying to lose those few pregnancy pounds. Um, <laughs> we'll get there eventually, though. Um, she's nine now, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, and the closest family I had was four hours away. Who's here military? Anybody? Man, thank you guys. Thank you guys for your service. Who here is a transplant because of the military? Okay, who, who here has family that is four hours away? Who here is your closest family is eight? 16. 
20. 24. Okay, so 20, 20 hours away, right? So you think about this, right? For those people, for those people that have family that their closest family is, you know, 20 hours away, 16, 12 hours away, right? We're what they have. It's us. In 2011, when I moved here and had a baby, what I knew about fatherhood was legitimately nothing. My little sister is like five years younger than me. I was never around babies. I didn't know. When the, when the doctor handed me Georgia, I went, huh, huh. So like, I, I was like legit. I had no clue of what fatherhood was. I learned to raise a child while my child learned that I was raising my child. Like this was a real thing, but it was, it was, it was this place. It was, it was St. Mary's church that when I was underway, I knew would be there for my family. When I was on duty, I knew that I could call Randy and he, he would take like, Hey, something's going on. All right, well, I'll go take care of him. Like, I can, I can help you out. It, it was this community. And that's, that's the interesting thing about community is it, it sometimes is our, la- it is our last line. Sometimes it's our only line of support when we find ourselves going through it, right? My close family was four hours away. I, I would welcome my, my first child in the world in a matter of days with no grandparents, no, no parents around. Like it was, it was this church that really helped us raise our kids. Right. Which kind of brings us to this place, like our peace in this community, like having peace in this place really affects what, like what we're walking into. Like our peace can matter when it comes to the people around us. Matthew 25, 35 through 40, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You welcomed me. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king answered them, truly, I say to you, as you did this to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. That was Jesus. Like Jesus is telling us, hey, the least of these, the, the least of these in your life, when we're when you're serving them, you're serving Jesus. Church, there's an expectation for us to take care of our community. When the storm hit last month, small parts of our community were devastated. Devastated. How did we respond? Did we thank God we're okay and get back to our lives? Did we take small amounts of effort to clear some damage? Did we do what Jesus would have done? I know for me, when the storm hit, like, and we looked around, and I don't—I mean, I don't even think we lost power during. Oh, we did. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways, we we were we were minorly affected by the storm, right? And truthfully, I had no clue till I got on Facebook and realized that like people were posting pictures of down trees and trailers that had been thrown all over the place. Who, who saw the pictures of the base where like there's? Just, I mean, there's. 
all all those uh, all those RVs that were destroyed. Actually, I didn't know this until a week later. I had a friend that was in him and his wife was in their RV and it got picked up and moved with him in it. I'm like, bro, no, not happening. I don't know why you were still stuck in that thing. But I mean, I guess it caught him off guard because he. I mean, it would have caught me off guard if you just picked my home up and moved it. But I was like, wow, this is insane. Like, so for us, I remember. You know, a few days following, or maybe two days later, we were like, "Hey, there's some there's some stuff going on downtown. We're gonna go down and help it and help clean up, right?" And we spent that one day, and we spent I don't know five hours out there, just cutting up trees. And uh, Gillis Morris was out there with us, and like first time I ever really got to use a chainsaw without my dad's supervision. Whoo! So <laughs> I like, you know, I was, I was loving it. So, um, I really enjoy manual labor anyway. So it's like when they were like, Hey, we're going to go cut trees. I'm like, get my gloves. I'm going, babe, I'm going. I'll see you later. So, um, but no, like the whole family went down and like, there was a bunch of us that went down and just picked up trees, you know? And in that they're like the homeowners and the people that were out there with us were like, man, thank you guys so much. We appreciate you so much. And it was kind of one of those things it's like that. Why, I don't I don't know why like this should be the expectation from our community for us to be there. Like that's the that's the truth of it. Jesus, Jesus loved people so much that this is what he was teaching his disciples. Hey, you really like you need to be out there. Like, don't I get the church is great. Guys, I love our church. And truthfully, I love standing right there and singing and worshiping and getting to hear you guys lift your praises is something that I'm super passionate about. And I I enjoy so much. But guys, I will tell you, there's a different measure of fulfillment that came when I was standing there with a chainsaw, sweating. I mean, drenched out and picking up leaves and and people going, oh, man. And I'm thinking this this is what the church should be doing. This is where we got to get to. Like, that's that's the fact of the matter. Are we the church taking care of people? We do everything we can to separate ourselves from one another. Like I can't, I can't hang out with this person because, well, they're they're in a different socioeconomic class. I can't hang out with this person because, well, we don't follow the same political party. I can't hang out with this people and blah. I mean, it's one thing after another, and that's that's in the world, man. You think about it in the church. Hey, I can't go to this church because they don't speak in tongues, and I can't go to this church because they believe once saved, always saved, and I can't go to this church. And everything that we can do, we are dividing ourselves as much as possible when we've been called to the total opposite. We've been called to unity beyond anything. Any any of the small things that you got that you feel like really should be pushing you away from someone, I promise you it's not God. God did not call you to separate yourself from another believer, period. It's not true. It's not true. That's not where we're at. God, Jesus spoke so much about caring for your community. Community is important, even now, even in just in a matter of weeks, I've experienced, I've experienced the pain of being separated from community. How many, how many people in our church can say, "Hey, I'll be honest, I, I really don't feel like I have community. I don't feel like I have, I, I, I'm experiencing experiencing community the way that God really talks about." 
That's the place we got to get to. We've got to come to this place where we desire to be with each other more than just on Sunday, more than just on Wednesday, but in our communities experiencing life with each other. We have this big sign on the back wall. Like, Jesus makes life better for, and makes us better for life, right? This life is not designed to be lived alone. We were designed to do it together. From, from the beginning of time, we were designed to do life together. You can't do life with just God. And James, James chapter 1, right at the end of the, end of the verse, is really where we see this. This is a scripture that Judd has talked to me about time and time and time again. And I never knew, like, I never, I guess I never cared. I'm sorry, I love you. I never cared to really listen to the, to the book and verse. But it's a, it's a it, there's a phrase in here that Judd has told me about time and time again. Judd's my dude. Judd's my spiritual father. I'll say that out loud in front of everybody. Judd's my spiritual father. I love that guy. I'm so happy to see him back in our church, man. Like, he, he brings so much life to me. Like, when I talk about community, that's, that's my dude right there. Uh, James 1.28, there's cor- correction, Dr- James 1.26. If anyone thinks he is religious but does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Brothers, show no partiality as you hold the fa- as you hold the father as you hold the faith in Jesus in our Lord Jesus Christ. The glory of the Lord for a man if for if a man is wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes to your assembly and a poor man with shabby clothes also comes you sh- and you pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, here, you sit here in the good place while you say to the poor man, stand over there, sit at my feet. Then you have not made, then you have ma- not made distinctions amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are you not the rich? Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? I don't want my Bible to fall. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. If you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails one point has become guilty of all of it. For he, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you, commit, if you don't commit adultery but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak so and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. Judgment, mercy triumphs over 
judgment. What this is saying is any measure of separation that you place between one and another when they enter through those doors is this. It is an act of transgression against the law. You may may as well have murdered someone. I'm guilty of it. Trust me. I'm not saying this as a rebuke. I'm not saying like, hey, you guys are doing. No, not at all. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of seeing someone walk through that door and saying, oh, okay, cool. They got the worship hat on. They got they 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 fit the mold of Christianity and also seeing someone walk through the door that I don't recognize that I really should be going. Oh, that's the one I got to talk to right there and going. "Mm, Did they really fit in? They really fit. It's not just the church, man. It's it's the restaurant. It's it's your home. It's it's your it's playing, watching your kids play outside and seeing the kid that man, he's different. I I really believe Georgia's gonna be that kid that when they walk by, I go, that one's different. Like really, she's 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 just different. I love that about her, but man, she's different. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of seeing people for for what they look like. And I'm not saying that it's something that I always do, but to say that it's something that I've never done or never do, man, I can't say that. If you're religious with a quick tongue, your religion is worthless. Pure religion is to care for the widows and the orphans. Shout out Judd. And how often do we think religion is programs and Bible studies and worship nights and meetings and revivals and conferences? It's worthless. Pure religion is to care for the widows and the orphans. That's it. The state convention was great. That's not pure religion in the eyes of God. The worship nights are great. That's not pure religion in the eyes of God. Like We have to come back to this place if we, really want, if we really want to follow who God called us to be, if we really want to reach that place of understanding Christ, and under, we have to come back to this place. Feed my sheep. Care for my lambs. Feed my sheep. How many times have I invited the fatted calf to the table and told the sheep, I have nothing to give them? It's tough. It's tough. We live in a society, especially for our generation, like we live in a society where the shiny is so attractive. Like, man, it's 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 it. Like I can't tell you, Sydney can probably tell you because she probably saves them all. I know she does. But I can't tell you how many times a week I find a new guitar and I go, Sydney, this is the next guitar that I want. I know she saves all of them because she's gonna buy them all. Um, but no, like I like it, it, the shiny is is so attractive. Like it's it's difficult for us. But Jesus said in John 13:35, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It's not by it's not by your appearance, it's not by your status in our community, it's all the all those things will be forgotten. It's by if you love one another. I know you by your love. If I didn't tell someone I was a disciple of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, could they tell? I know there are times that they wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> Man, sometimes when I fall, I fall hard. It's 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 not even like, hey, I was on the path and I just kind of tripped. No, it's like the gun went off and I just 
jump straight into the next lane. I'm I'm totally gone. Like I when I fall sometimes, man, I fall hard. Community is important. The reputation of the church is, and that's not necessarily our church, but the church as a general, the, the body of Christ, is that Christians are, as a whole, intolerant, stuck up, judgmental, hateful, and just outright mean. And how is it that a man who laid down his life for an entire eternity of people that he knew would reject him have followers that are known to be just mean? I don't want to be known like that. I don't. We got to be more like Jesus. And it starts here. Like, let's be better examples in our community. Let's strive to look more like Jesus every day. Let's feed the sheep no matter what they are wearing or driving, no matter how rude they are, no matter how how hurt we are, no matter how many times we've been wrong, let's feed sheep. That's what Jesus asked us to do. Jesus recognized the need for community in every, part of it, in every part of life. Even as Jesus was going to the garden to pray, he took disciples with him right up to the point of entering communion with his Father. We weren't designed to do life alone. We are made for community. We had communion in the garden with God and then community, but there's something more that we need to recognize that's incredibly important to our walk if we're going to find completion. Luke 10, 25 and 27. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This is a scripture that a lot of people are real familiar with that just kind of exploded at me and my family one day when we were sitting down. Um, the teacher, he asked, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, all petty, was like, well, what's written in the law? You're the expert. He replied, how do you read it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. Jesus added to this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's a couple of acts of love that we see in this statement that we often talk about and have we've kind of discussed them today, right? Love God, love people. When I first came back, and took this position, that was something we spoke about with our team often. How do we love God better and love people better? This is important to us, right? This was, this was the biggest thing, right? Like if Jesus said, if you compile it all together, everything, if you want to get to heaven, these are two things you got to do. Love God, love people. But there's something that I feel like we miss when we talk about this. The last line of this is love your neighbor as yourself. We want to love God and love people, but how can you love someone if you don't love you? Some of us honestly really do love our neighbor as we love ourselves because we can't stand who we are. I mean, truthfully, and I, I know, like, I get it. Like, 
I will tell you, there's been times in my life where I woke up and I looked in the mirror and whether it was my physical stature or whether it was the person that I knew I was or whether it was an action that had been taken place, whatever, how I responded to something, that person that I looked in the mirror, I couldn't stand. And that type of love that I had for myself bled into the relationships that I had with other people. I know some of us, when we look at ourselves, we find the world's perspective. We see all the imperfections. We see our weight, our height, our bad skin, our bald head. We see, we see all of it. We see, we see what the world talks about. Some of us, we look at ourselves from the scriptural perspective, and we compare ourselves to the law and say, man, I see the filthy rags. I see the sin. I'm disgusted with who I am in, in the eyes of the law. Like, There's something we have to remember coming to this. Jesus loved you just as you are, and he went to the cross knowing who you would be, what you would look like, and how you would reject him and died regardless. No matter what, he died, he died knowing all, of, all the things that you would do. Completion can only come from loving God first and loving, the pe- loving people the way Christ loved the church. That's how we have to love ourselves. I promise you, your people... Nobody can tell you anything different. You're people. And God loved you just, just like this and called you and called you his own just like this. I'm going to close if the band would come. There's three main places that I feel like we all fit in right now in this, in this message. So there's three invitations that I want to offer you. The first one is this. I don't have communion with God. These are people that either don't know God or knew him, but are far from him, and you know you need him. It's a formal invitation for that. There's no dowry you need to bring. There's no sacrifice. Just the acceptance of the invitation from the king. I promise you this invitation, it comes with the greatest guarantee that you'll ever have. The guarantee of hope in your hopeless times, light in the darkest times, and love when you feel like you never could love yourself. This is the invitation that changes your life forever. The second is the people that would say, honestly, I don't love people. For one reason or another, I don't love people. Either I've been hurt way too many times or it's honestly what I see when I see people, I compare them to the law and I just see that. So I don't even want any part of it. It's honestly, Derek, I just don't 
like people. I don't like being around people. I don't want to. I don't want to be near people. Commun- I, don't, I get it. Community is important, but I, I can deal with life without it. I promise you, you can't. God knew you couldn't. He gave you a bunch of people to put in your life. We can't walk out. We can't walk into heaven having not loved people. I don't say that because there's some light dangling at the end of the tunnel. If you love Jesus, then you have to feed his sheep. You have to care for people. The third is is a hard one. It's really introspective. And it's honestly, Derek, I don't feel worthy of love. This was hard. This is for people that when they when they look in the mirror, they don't see somebody that is worth loving. When they when they experience life, they've been beat so many times that they know that they can't they can't they can't be loved. This one forces you to deny the lies that you've been told and accept the offer of someone who wants to love you. Jesus wants to love you. It's it's so much more. It's so much more than what the world loves. It's so much more than how the world loves. Jesus wants to love you. We're going to go back into a time of worship and we're going to give you an opportunity to respond. This altar is it's always open. But I want to take a moment and give you the chance, whether at your seat or here, if you want somebody to pray with you, if, if, if you would say, hey, man, I really fit in one of these categories, but I don't, I don't really know how to find myself out of them. Man, we want to pray with you. That's, that's step one, man. We just want to pray. We just want to take this to our Father. There's, there's a whole church full of people that would be more than willing to just drop, drop everything and pray with you right now. Father God, we love you. God, we love you. We we recognize the need for community in our life. We recognize the need for communion in our life. God, we before we do anything, we want communion with you. God, we want to know how to love you better and love people better. God, we want to be able to look in the mirror and see the me that you see. God, we just want to be more like you. God, right now I ask that you would invade. Yeah, you invade our hearts, invade our minds. God, teach us how to love you better. Teach us how to love people better. We love you.
Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.